0: There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy There'll
1: be daring do and stuff like you would never see hey, a movie
0: Yeah, we're gonna, gonna be a movie Starring everybody And me There'll be heroes, bold There'll be comedy And a lot of fuss
1: that ends for us feel happily hey, a movie We can watch it all develop Starring, starring everybody. everybody And me will take a world it on, its ear. Come on, join We're gonna start right here. And we are gonna start right here. Hello, and welcome to a rattledge and Broadcasting Network podcast, Triple Feature. I'm your host, the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And joining me tonight is David Wright. How do you do, sir? I'm
0: doing fine, thanks, Mark. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all that to everyone.
1: Yes, mad Kwanzaa to you as well. And b- happy Boxing Day. Boom, boom. Yes. Boxing, right? Yeah? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, got to get those deals somehow.
1: <laughs> so tonight on the marquee is a, is a trio of cyberpunk sci-fi movies led by three leading ladies. We have Ghost in the Shell from 2017 starring Scarlett Johansson to The Chagrin of Everyone. Um, Aeon By Flux. Everyone, we mean no one. <laughs> And then uh, Aeon Flux starring Charlize Theron, and then Ex Machina starring Alicia Vikander. So um first, I actually was supposed to do this with somebody else, but he was not able to get all three movies in in time and bailed on the podcast. But you heard I was doing this and got excited and kind of inserted yourself, which I'm grateful for. or I wouldn't be doing a podcast right now. Um <laughs> So what made you want to jump in on this one? Simply put, Ghost
0: in the Shell. Like oh, okay. I'm I'm a, I'm a big longtime fan of the franchise, so it's Dude. more like I'm I'm here for Ghost in the Shell and I kind of watch the other two just to talk about Ghost in the Shell.
1: <laughs> in <Palestinian> bargain, eh? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> 45 minutes later, fine. Now we can talk about Aeon yeah, Flux. Well, I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did previously see Aeon Flux years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's talk about, so since you're all excited to talk about it, let's do a brief introduction of what Ghost in the Shell is, and then you can kind of tell me your history with it. So Ghost in the Shell started its life as a manga, um, and then it was a animated movie, and now it's a live-action film, again, starring the aforementioned Scarlett Johansson. Um, it was directed by Rupert Sanders, written by Jamie Moss, uh, William Wheeler, and the infamous Aaron Kruger. Um... It came out uh, March 31st, 2017, in the United States. Had a budget of 110 million. It exceeded its budget, but it was not profitable. This thing bombed at the box office. Um, You know Scarlett Johansson. When she's in an Avengers movie, she's really, really good. When she's on her own, sometimes a bit of a tough sell in, in the leading lady role, unfortunately. Uh, So I gotta ask, did you read the manga? Did you watch the animated movie? Tell me about your history with this product Sure,
0: well the first thing I saw was yeah the 95 animated movie by Mamoru Oshii that sort of the the cult classic film Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, I think I did track down a copy of the manga and I I read all of that And then in the early 2000s, they did a TV anime uh, called Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex So I watched that it got a second season watched that too. I think there was a TV movie added. Then they they did a second animated series called Ghost in the Shell Arise, which was kind of like Ghost in the Shell Begins. Like they're all teenagers now, almost. <laughs> At okay. least the, Well, the character designs looked a lot younger than mm-hmm. previous. So they, they kind of started with the backstory of Section 9 and whatnot. And then I think there was also Sandal and Complex Season 3, which showed up on Netflix. Watch that. So I've seen most of the adaptations of Ghost in the Shell, including Ghost in the Shell Two, the second movie by Mamoru Oshii, which I think was just a uh, part of a, like you say, a Faustian bargain to get another film he wanted made, gotcha. done. You know, it's like okay, we'll make your fancy art film about how anime sucks now because no one has any different ideas. Just make another Ghost in the Shell movie. People will actually pay money to see that. <laughs> you know, uh, so he did, and uh, yeah. So Ghost in the Shell has had a lot of incarnations over mm-hmm. the course of its. Uh, it's life, and even like uh, Mazumune Shiro, the original writer, he's been pretty cool with that. He's just, you know, like, I'm, I'm happy to just, you know, this is my version of it and let other people sort of take my ideas and, uh, you know, run with it in different directions. Uh, for the record, I would say standalone complex. The first two seasons are probably what I would consider the best incarnation of Ghost in the Shell. They kind of have the most big ideas with a, a decent budget and some good writing on it, almost sort of like a cyberpunk procedural series. So that's kind of the ghost in the shell that all others are judged against.
1: If you were to, and, and I want your answer in two parts. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 this is, this is a test question. I, I need a, I need an essay form. I need two parts answered. Um, so if you were to a sell somebody on watching ghosts in the shell, like, Hey, you should check out this IP ghost in the shell and all of its very incarnations. Why? <clears throat> and when they say, okay, but what's it about? Remember, you're at the water cooler. They have to go back to work. You can't be all day. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be Charlie from It's Only totally Sunny in Philadelphia with you know with the red string and everything. You have like fifty words or less to tell them why and tell them what. Why Ghost in the Shell? What is Ghost in the Shell?
0: Yeah, well, I'd say it's one of the sort of foundational cyberpunk stories. Mm-hmm. Sort of Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner, I think, are probably the two biggest ones. Uh, it was a big inspiration for The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, and uh basically, what it's about is it sort of takes place in the not too distant future where cybernetics have become very commonplace, and information technology is advanced a lot and you know when we talk when I say cyborgs, I'm not talking about the Borg from Star Trek these are you know cyborgs that look very much just like normal humans, just mm-hmm. you know they they can have super speed super strength they can you can plug right into the internet and it kind of just explores crime and sort of some of the esoteric questions arising from that.
1: Okay. It seems to, at least judging from how the movie was done, it seems to um, deal a lot with someone's memories, their past, Them you know, they wake up as one thing, they used to be another, and it's that search for the other that's motivating them. Am I off on that?
0: Uh, well, again, there, there are many different stories Golden okay. Ghost in the Shell, and even the original manga was a lot more just punching bad guys type stuff. Okay. Fair Whereas enough. the the Oshi movie that was a lot more navel gazing. Where like in the case of the major, it's more like her sort of a, trying to figure out you know what makes me me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like you know, we can identify ourselves by our physical forms, but like, there's a scene in the movie where she's just you know, out and about town, and she sees like other bodies almost exactly like her. Mm-hmm. So you know it's like you know, what, what what is it that makes me inherently myself? And they even get into the idea that you know your memories can be hacked so you could eat your entire life could just be a fabrication written by someone else so it's sort of you know you know what separates the ghost from the shell and the idea of the ghost is it's this sort of part of the consciousness that cannot be copied like that's sort of like your your soul
1: okay yeah so when, when they announced that they were let, let's just talk about this for one minute and then we'll get into the actual movie when they announced that they're doing a ghost in the shell movie i think this was paramount who did this i think paramount might be responsible for at least two out of the three of these yeah paramount's definitely responsible for this one this was paramount amblin dreamworks this is um steven spielberg's production company paramount all of that and when in development they were like okay we're gonna do the ghost in the shell movie based on this manga slash anime slash whatever and we're gonna get scarlett johansson in the lead there was a there. I know you joked about it, but there was a segment of the population that was like, "What the hell, man?" Um, because I'm guessing the the actual lead is an Asian gal. Um, uh,
0: yeah, um, like it takes pl- uh, the Oshi movie. I think takes place maybe around Hong Kong or at least mm-hmm. some. It de- it's definitely in an Asian country. Mm-hmm. Uh, standalone Complexes, without a doubt, in Japan.
1: Okay. Uh, so what was you, so? Did you care? You know, did you feel like there were you know a half a dozen other Asian actresses that could have done the role better? What was your thought on the casting of Scarlett Johansson for this?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was when she was big from you know being Black Widow in the MCU, so right. she, she certainly had you know the, she she knows how to put on a cat suit and do action scenes.
1: Sure does, Ollie.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, so like I, I could and she's a, she's a big name, so the mm. business you know the business side you know the the you know producers with their cigars. You know, pitching it, I can, I could totally get why they went with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I know
1: why, and and if I'm on the side, you know, if I'm on the side of the studio, there's no, there's no debate about this. You know, a half a dozen Asian actresses aren't going to sell nearly as many tickets in theory, in theory, as Scarlett Johansson, who was just in the Iron Man and Captain America movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of run into the problem of. Finding an actress that has the physical abilities yet also mm-hmm. the acting chops to do that, and in the case of some Asian actresses that I know, like they had Rinko Kikuchi, a lot of people mm-hmm. said because again, Pacific Rim. But mm-hmm. uh, Rinko Kikuchi, I mean, good actress, but her English is not that great. She she mm-hmm. mem- does most of her lines phonetically, so you know she has a very limited range in performance. Uh, right, but so. Yeah, I think it would be more of a an indictment of just that Hollywood hasn't really produced like a female Asian action star that could sell movies. And like, you know, even I, I'd be hard to press to sort of say, you know, who would who would I cast in this movie as mm-hmm. as an a of of what actors I know that would fit the the character and be able to do the acting as well as the action
1: bits. And, but, then, uh, and then the other side of it is, you know, you got to get more than just the fan base out. There, there isn't enough of a, of a fan base, I would imagine, to Really make this worth doing? This is this isn't an art piece. <laughs> this is supposed to be a major. What was the budget on this thing? I said hundred and ten. This is Marvel money. This is yeah, low million. end Marvel. This money. Is, yeah. this is meant to do $500, six, six million, $600 dollars. Million. Who do you plaster on the poster that's going to drive all the boys to come see this thing? And yeah. you know, there's not a lot of good answers there.
0: Well, what I find so funny is like the place on the planet where the least amount of people were worked up about this was Japan.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, what like, are all your like, white people crying about?
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like Scarlett Johansson, great. We love Scarlett Johansson. She's playing like a lead role in a Japanese story. Like, this is great. We're so we're so happy. Like, you know, Mazumune Shiro, he signed off on it, Mamro Oshii. Like, you know, no no one in Japan, from what I heard, raised a single stink about Scarlett Johansson being
1: Maybe being cast maybe, in
0: this thing, maybe that should
1: have been question one. Well,
0: how do the people in Japan feel?
1: We don't care. All right. Oh,
0: welcome to Twitter, where it's like you know, ninety percent <laughs> white people complaining about what they think is offensive to anyone else, right? <laughs> like it, it's one of those. Well, it was like, what was it, uh, Avril Levine did like, wore like a kimono in something or other. Right. And they go, this is cultural appropriation. How could she do this? And in Japan, it's like, wow, Avril Lavigne likes kimono. She appreciates Japanese culture. That's so cool. Right, like, You know, <laughs> like, like, say what you will, the Japanese and, mm. and they're great people, but they're, they're pretty, pretty confident in their own culture. Like, they, mm. they don't seem to mind it when other people...
1: Yeah, there's that cultural appropriation, it. and they're like, appropriate our culture, go, go, take it. It's fine. We want to share.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a line.
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: Yeah. But uh, but but yeah, overall, yeah, like they, they seem pretty on it. And mm-hmm. most of the PR I heard in Japan around it was pretty, you know, pretty okay. Mamoru Oshii was saying, you oh, know, this is the best Ghost in the Shell has ever looked. Granted, he didn't talk about the story. He was just talking about the visuals. You know, yeah. read between the lines there, but you know, that, yeah,
1: that seems when I was reading up on the history of this, that seemed to have been the buzz where everyone agrees that the movie looks good, and we'll we'll get into the craft now of it. But it everyone seems to have agreed the movie looks good, and Scarlett Johansson's doing her best with the material, the story in and of itself borders between meh and what,
0: yeah, so. yeah, because like for me, like I said, I've seen many of the different incarnations of this franchise, and mm-hmm. you know. What you can do with this setting? So I saw the movie. It's like, oh, they just went with the most boilerplate, boring, milk toast story they could for
1: this. Yeah, that. Well, Spoiler alert: the
0: corporation is evil. That's it.
1: <laughs> okay. So the plot, such as it is, goes like this: in the near future, humans are augmented with cybernetic improvements into traits such as vision, strength, and intelligence. Augmentation developer Honka Robotics establishes a secret project to develop an artificial body or a shell that can integrate a human brain rather than an AI. Mira Killian, the sole survivor of cyber terrorist attack which killed her parents, is chosen as a t- subject after her body is damaged beyond repair. Over the objections of her designer, Dr. Willet, Hanka Robotics CEO Cutter decides to use Killian as a counterterrorism operative like you do. A year later, Killian has attained the rank of major, the major, <laughs> in the counterterrorism bureau of Section 9, working alongside operatives uh, Batu, Tagusa. Under Chief uh, Aramaki. Okay. Um, Killian, who experiences hallucinations that will let dismisses as glitches, is troubled by how little she remembers of her past. The team thwarts a terrorist attack on a Honka business conference, and Killian destroys a robotic geisha after it murders a hostage. Uh, After learning that the geisha was hacked by an unknown entity known as Kuzai, Killian breaks protocol and dives into its AI for answers. The entity attempts a counter hack and... Batu is forced to disconnect her. They trace the hacker to a Yakuza nightclub. It's always the Yakuza, David. Well, in (laughs) Japan, yes. (laughs) Where they are lured into a trap. The explosion destroys Batuu's eyes and damages Killian's uh, body. Cutter is enraged by Killian's actions and threatens to have Section 9 shut down, unless Aramaki keeps her in line. Again.
0: (laughs) Section 9 gets shut
1: down a lot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're almost like S.H.I.E.L.D. Gotcha. Kuze tracks down Section 9's Honka consultant, Dr. Dalin, and kills her. The team links her murder to the deaths of other senior company researchers and realizes that Willett is the next target. Kuze takes control of two sanitation workers and sends them to kill Willett. Now, with cybernetic eyes, these eyes, Batu kills one while the repaired Killian subdues the other. While they integrate, interrogate rather, the worker, Kuze speaks through him before compelling him to commit suicide. Tagusa traces the hack to a secret location where the team discovers a large number of humans mentally linked as makeshift signals uh, network. Killian is captured and Kuze reveals that he is a failed Honka test subject from the same project that that created Killian. He urges her to question her own memories and stop taking her medication as it actually helps block her memories. Kuze then frees her and escapes. Killian confronts Willette who admits that 98 test subjects died before Killian and that her memories are implanted. Cutter has decided that Killian is a liability, like you do, and orders Roulette to kill her after she returns to Honka Robotics. Instead, Roulette gives Killian an address and helps her escape. Cutter kills Roulette but blames Killian, saying that she has gone rogue. He informs Aramaki and then the team that Killian must be terminated. Killian follows the address to an apartment occupied by a w- widowed mother who reveals that her daughter, Mariko, uh Kuzanak, Kusanagi, ran, yeah, away from- Kusanagi. Yeah. Thank you. ran away from home a year ago and was arrested. While in custody, Motoko took her own life. Killian leaves and contacts Aramaki, who allows Cutter to remotely eavesdrop on their conversation. Batu, Tagusa, Aramaki eliminate Cutter's men, trying to ambush them, while Killian follows her memories to the hideaway where Motoko was last seen there. She and Kuze meet and recall their past lives as anti-augmentation radicals who were abducted by Honka as test subjects. That didn't work out very well, did it? And then the tank and then the spider from Wild Wild West shows up. Um, <laughs> or the end of the first movie. <laughs> yeah. Cutter deplo- uh, deploys a spider tank to kill them. Kuze nearly dies before Killian is able to tear out the tank's monitor control center, losing her arm in the process. Mortally wounded, Kuze asks Killian to come with me. There is no place for us here. Killian refuses, saying, no, I'm not ready to leave. I belong here. Kuze says he will always be with her and the ghost then fades out. Then a Honka sniper kills him, Batu and team rescue Killian while Aramaki executes Cutter with Killian's consent the next day. Now, repair and embracing her true identity as a Japanese uh, Motoko. Killian re- uh, reconnects with her mother and returns to work with Section 9. And Nothing of value was lost or gained. All right, so I have to ask before we get into this, is there anything you know, we've talked about this with like other movies like, like Spider-Man, for example, specifically Sam Raimi. It looked like there were actual panels that were cut out of the comic and storyboarded and then shot in the movie. Was there any iconic imagery from the manga or from the animes that's in this film or was it kind of wholesale their own creation? Not so much from the anime, from
0: the, or sorry, not so much from the manga. From the Mm -hmm. 95 Oshi film, a lot Mm -hmm. of scenes were lifted. The context of those scenes was completely changed. But uh, in, in this movie's fairness, every adaptation of Ghost in the Shell pretty much lifts Mm. Those handful of scenes. Standalone Complex did it. I'm sure Arise did it. Whatever well, they do so next will do it. Like, that oh, she, that oh, she has a real life for that.
1: That 95 anime film it, it sounds like it's it's the most influential going forward of this. Like,
0: Certainly it. visually. Like, as okay. far as some scenes go, like you have the the helicopters flying over at the beginning of the movie. That's mm-hmm taken right out of it. In fact, the the whole Motoko being built, or the Major's body being built at the beginning is pretty much a shot-for-shot shot remake of the opening of the 95 movie, just with different music, which is okay. as good. Uh, like the bit at the end where she's falling from the, from the building and she puts her hand in front of her face as mm-hmm. she cloaks, that's Lifted right out of the ninety-five
1: movie. I must have seen that in a trailer or some. Some. I've never seen it, but I have seen images of that I have seen shots of things. I even I knew that one.
0: Yeah, the the fight scene where she's fighting the garbage man Mm -hmm. and she's got the thermoptic camouflage on, and Mm -hmm. you know the water's bouncing off of her cloaked form. That's pretty much shot for shot out of the ninety-five movie, which is an amazing scene. Like it's. Mm -hmm. You know, pick one scene from Ghost in the Shell you want to see made with a hundred million dollars worth of Hollywood special effects. That's the one. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, there's bits here like the, the the fingers splitting into little keyboard tendrils. That's from mm-hmm. from the first movie. Uh you know, the eyes opening up and her plugging her face into the computer, that's from the second film. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things that have been lifted from mostly the ninety-five film. But again, in in their defense,
1: every version of Ghost in the Shell lifts. Most of those scenes. All right, well, this is the part you've been waiting for, Dave. So tell me, what did you think of this movie?
0: I, it was it was very predictable, bog standard. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, they didn't save your life; they stole it. It's like you know, you you, you know that line's there. Like, <laughs> of course, the the medicine she's taking is what's suppressing her memories instead of helping her. Like, yeah, you know, it's again, they they told probably the least interesting story they could and tried to make it. S- half an origin story like in the Mm -hmm. original you know like again cybernetics are commonplace like the major isn't anything special in terms of her her cybernetics and I mean she's special in that she has a lot of cybernetics Mm -hmm. she's like 80% you know robot and has been the way they shot it
1: she seems like a human head and the rest of it's a robot
0: just about yeah brain brain stem everything else is there and for the most part her origins are shrouded in mystery Mm mm-hmm I think one one of the episodes they kind of gave her a bit of a backstory, but that's never really been important to the character. It's just more like she's really, really good at using her body. Like she can, yeah. she can do all the backflips and martial arts, and she's you know tactically a very savvy person. That's kind yeah. of her character, and and the, like the show works best when it focuses not just on the major but on the cast. Okay. Like uh, what, one interesting thing is you have Bato and Togusa. Who Bato, I think, is very well done in this version. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the actor that plays him, I think, does a, a pretty good job with the character. He's sort of the more muscle head
1: mm-hmm.
0: type type character. Still, still a fairly smart guy, but uh, you know, he, he's almost kind of acts as a big brother to mm-hmm. the major, even though she's pretty much mostly his superior in ability. Um, but you also have like Togusa, who has very little to do in the movie. Mm -hmm. But in this in the show, he's basically uh, has very little cyberization. He kind of like just has a port in his neck to plug into the internet. But otherwise, he's pretty much hundred percent human. And he's like a a father and husband. So you sort of have all these different things that they experience in this you know like post singularity world. And you have all these variety of opinions on that. Like how Mm -hmm. Togusa views something is different than how the major would view something because
1: he's not a cyborg. Okay. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at
0: LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: So as I'm hearing you talk about the movie and thinking about the things that you've said about the various iterations of the IP, it's a pretty Herculean task when you think about, like, we're going to make this for not just an American, a worldwide audience, but an American audience first, and we're an American studio, and we want this to be a big budget, $500 million or more picture. Um, But it sounds like the trick with an adaptation, especially if something like this, is you can't just gear it towards um, the hardcore fans. The hardcore fans are the ones that get all the details of the one, you know, it... When you break it down so that a general audience can get it, you lose the hardcore fans. But like, like we know all this stuff already. Move on. Like, let's let's see something else. Yeah. You know, well, let, let's get I mean, deeper into. Let's get deeper into the IP. But then I'm going to tell you what my experience was like watching this. It was an okay movie. I, I like just from just from a general craft point of view, it it didn't feel like it, it explored the esoteric, ethereal, um, existential questions enough. There wasn't nearly enough action to keep me interested. And Scarlett Johansson mumbles through the whole thing. So yeah. it looks great, but everything, but the other legs of the stool are all cracked. And I was having a hard time getting getting through it. And so I go back to what I was starting off with this. And, and you're like eager to jump in. So I'm going to shut up and let you do it. Yeah. <laughs> is where do you, uh, you know, the skill in adapting something like this is figuring out how to engage me as an audience member and you at the same time. And we are not the same person. Yeah. Well, I would say
0: as first as I would say a fairly hardcore fan of it, I'm certainly not the hardest of the hardcore and proud to say so. I mean, does Mm -hmm. anyone really want to be that guy? (laughs) Uh, but, uh, like I wasn't looking for like a shot for shot remake of anything. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain scenes that would be cool to see in, you know, in, in live action and certainly, you know, there, there's, there are obviously little homages that they put in again, like the hand in front of the face and all that, right. you know, okay, fine. You know, you can you, you throw that in there. That's, that's okay. But it's more like the world and the characters, you can take yeah. them and go anywhere. This is sort of something that the Cowboy Bebop adaptation also sort of didn't quite get right is that you don't need to remake the series. You can have these characters and write a new adventure for them. Mm-hmm you know, and and right. it still works. So I wasn't I I wasn't really going in there expecting you know I want to see this story perfectly adapted into right. live action just you know take this world and do something interesting with it. You know with the power of Hollywood effects and budgets.
1: Yeah, I'll and, give you an example of that. They sure. took and because we've talked about this in the past. But before I do, friend on Twitter says much like all adaptations from the manga anime, those who try to adapt the property miss the point of the story and always try to improve something as if it's broken. And I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I
0: didn't really. I can't really think of what they improved on though. Like <laughs> well, they try
1: what? is what his point is. So, Iron yeah. in a bottle. Um, most famously, it's one of the more famous Iron Man stories. Yeah. Not to, and this is not going to be a whole tangent thing, but just to make your point for you. They Demon in a Bottle is Tony Stark's struggle with alcoholism that um, results in him losing the Iron Man armor and having to go into rehab. You know, yeah, that's the whole story. And they used Demon in a Bottle for Iron Man 2. But instead of struggling with alcoholism, he was struggling with dying. You know, yeah. the, the arc reactor is killing him. Um and and the beats of the story are more or less the same, the treatment of it is different the 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 specificity of it um the specific points is different instead of alcoholism it's death um but but the story is pretty much there like that that's the example of i think of what you're talking about which is you know we don't necessarily need to see the actual demon in a bottle captured on screen you know where it's you know iron man leaves las vegas what we yeah. do you know tell your story you can just draw inspiration from these things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like for example, the original movie, the the 95 mm-hmm. movie is just like a, a robot body, mm-hmm. you know, that is to have a person put into it escapes all by itself. Mm-hmm. So the, the evil corporation is trying to get this thing back because like an AI that they have has gone rogue and stolen this body. But from like section nine's perspective, like the majors and Bato, especially it's like, you know, can a body generate its own ghost? So it's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, AI achieving consciousness, which we'll get a bit more into in the last movie we have to look at here. But, you know, I, so I sort of like my view of Ghost in Shell is it should be something more like, like standalone complex was very much like a sort of procedural show just in this Mm -hmm. universe. So there was kind of like a different aspect of things shown each episode, though there was at times a a through line overarching plot, but they would also do little side stories here. So Think of it like almost like a a Bond movie, right? Where you know here's our villain trying to destroy the world for reasons. James Bond has to go and stop them. So we could say, well, let's explore AI achieving sentience here. Let's or maybe second movie, let's explore what makes us human. Like there's this fantastic line from the first movie from the AI that it says, you know, information cannot be defined, but it defines man or I Mm would say humanity here. Like you know, all we are is information in our
1: in our brains.
0: Yeah, you so, know, we can never quantify what information actually
1: you, is. You brought up Cowboy Bebop, and I wanted, yeah, to, I wanted to um, go ahead with that. I want, I wanted to support your point, which is, you know, we, we the complaint we had about Cowboy Bebop was we we liked it better when they were doing stuff, when they yeah. were out, you know, getting bounties, having adventures. When it became about their past, and it, you know, and uh, it became about what's his face's. Um, dealing with the mob and all of that yeah, the spike. show got dragged spike the show got dragged down and i think ghost in the shell operates in much the same way where i much i much more rather wanted her to see her complete missions you know like go on yeah. adventures go do something i didn't mind that the attempt to deal with oh you know i am being used against my will and they've changed my memories and i'm not who i thought i was the problem is much like cowboy bebop it completely drags down the narrative and A better movie, a better written movie, deals with who am I, um, to where that becomes tolerable and and even enjoyable. Unfortunately, there's a chasm in between what this one does with it, to where it's like, look, if you're not going to deal with it well, then just make her kick a lot of ass.
0: Yeah, and I think if if you don't deal with those sort of higher ideas, which is kind Mm -hmm. of what what sort of gives the spice to the Ghost in the Shell, it's like Mm -hmm. there's no sizzle to the steak. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of get, you are sort of bland and generic, okay, everything you know is wrong. The corporation's evil, punch stuff, spider tank.
1: Right. I will tell you this then, and then I think the key to have, have adapting this would have been to try to treat that a little bit better. I just, I don't think it was successful in that matter. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, you don't need a lot. You don't need to right. like make a navel gazing, super intellectual show. Like right. you, you can still have all of your punchy and kicky and explosions, mm-hmm. but yeah, give it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of something to munch for your brain to munch on. Like pick right. one, pick one big idea and do
1: something with that. I think the mission. I think the the bad guy in the mission, you know, the plot that drives it forward, needed to be separate from her agonizing over her own memory and state of being and who and what am I?
0: Yeah, that, like that often that's be stuff an internal is, conflict. Yeah, that stuff's more in addition to the plot, like you have right. this these separate events that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. but then you have sort of how they are reacting to what is right. happening
1: in the world. That's sort of where the, and that's the problem with this goes. adaptation is that becomes the entire movie. Yeah. The, the entire focus of this is, Hey, I'm not who you said I was and I'm going to destroy going to burn everything down. And it's like, meh, <laughs> you know, the, and then there's a problem with her as a character then, because then she's, She's not somebody who's interesting enough as she's written in this movie to where I want to see her reclaim her life. And when they're even, and even when she starts to get those memories and she talks to, I think her mother and whatnot um, in the movie, like, (sighs) and this might be a performance issue. And this'd be the last thing I say, and I'll give you the final word. I like Scarlett Johansson as an actress. And I think when she's given something with a little bit more bubble to it, a little bit more flash and fancy, uh, you get the full Scarlet Johansson effect. They wanted her like brooding and ass kicking. And it's not that she doesn't pull it off, it's just that you she can do it and it'd be cool looking and it'd be interesting. But then other things have to have to highlight the film. You know, there has to be light elsewhere. It can't be dark upon dark upon dark upon dark. And that's the problem here, is that they is that. You look to her to kind of be the shining light in this really, really dark story, and she's not all that interesting. And you're like, well, I've got now nothing to really hook me to this. And if you're like me and you're like not a fan of the, the IP, then this just becomes generic cyberpunk story. And I'm on to the next thing. I'll give you the final word
0: yeah it's uh, to, to sort of quote uh, Mike Toole, a uh, sort of anime pundit uh, mm. reviewer like you know, it, it, it was a it was an average movie that got an average reception like <laughs> and and that kind of sums it up but uh, yeah, I think they didn't really dive into what made the source material that much interesting in its best form and that sort of hurt them and I do think it, it did suffer a bit from being a sort of a grungy, Mm -hmm. looking future. I mean, yeah, they had all the the holographic advertisements on the city, which I think was kind of their their attempt to punch it up a little bit, to differentiate it. But uh, that's not really where it was needed.
1: No. Here's the thing about this, uh, and then we're going to go right into Aeon Flux. You need your movie like this, while it has a dedicated fan base, needs to grab people. You you know, when they run a trailer against another movie or they run TV spots of your movie, it needs to be able to grab anyone sitting on the couch who isn't the fuck you freaking clue what this is. You do that with images. You do that with to one degree or another um, star magnetism. You do that with a couple of different elements. If you, you know, if you become kind of a slave to the image of the thing if you become a slave to its aesthetic um you take the chance that you're going to lose people who are just not interested in that sort of thing and then what else is there to, to bring people to the theater and i have to remind people the as much as i like art i like my wolfs and my pigs and my lambs yeah um, uh and mazolas uh the object is to sell tickets to a, to a feature
0: yeah, but this this should have been like a political thriller set mm. in the not too distant future, where cybernetics are commonplace, with a bit of existential crisis, you know, mm. put on the top for a bit of spice. That's kind of all you need, and you don't need to go into backstories and into details. Like you just know, this is this is a team of elite government agents. Some of them are cyborgs, going around
1: solving crimes and kicking butt. Sounds great. Make yes. that movie exactly that which is what they should have done you know what you could have done to help you write that movie what mark <laughs> you could have used you know i did all that and i didn't even write the time down you could have used grammarly by gadfrey grammarly is ai powered products help people communicate more effectively um grammarly helps write mistake free on gmail facebook twitter linkedin and anywhere else you write on the web grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors Improving your vocabulary and suggesting style improvements to so download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash w W2M Network to download Grammarly for free. My my son was kidding me about this yesterday. He we, when we were recording the Christmas podcast, he said something and I and I went into one of my plugs and he was just like, Are you done with your boring plug now? Can we go back to the movie? I'm like, thanks, Jonas. Um, I think you froze. Oh no, you're, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. All right. Just- OK, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. All right, let's move on to our next feature. This is Aeon Flux. Uh, Aeon Flux uh, began its life as an animated science fiction TV show on MTV the, during their liquid television block. Uh, it's from 2005. Star Charlize Theron is directed by Karen Kus- Kusama, who also is known for um, uh, Girl Fight, uh, Jennifer's Body, the invitation and destroyer and she has an upcoming dracula movie coming out plus a whole bunch of tv credits and uh this was on a, this had a budget of 55 to 62 million dollars it bombed <laughs> it made about 52.3 million dollars this was yet another paramount feature uh they were their production company on it through uh, MTV films the actual production company and paramount distributed it and um, I did not. I was aware of Aeon Flux. Um, I, I, you know, I watched enough MTV as a kid that I, I would see commercials for Liquid Metal and ge- uh, Liquid Television in general, and then specifically for the Aeon Flux show. Um, and that was on MTV from November 30th of 91 to October 10th of 1995, and then this movie came out ten years after that. So very timely. Anyway, um, <laughs> so i think you said uh at the top of the show right before we started recording that you watched day on flux for this podcast but had you not heard of this had you not heard of the cartoon you had no idea what this was uh
0: well way back in the early days when i first started getting into the whole anime scene you know Mm -hmm. you'd go to like the local hmv don't know if you have hmv in the states but you know your your mall you know video music store sure uh yeah and you'd you hunt and find the anime section and you'd flip through like the 10 DVDs they had there mm-hmm. and wish they all cost a lot less. But, uh, and Aeon flux was already, was, it was always in there, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it had a very different art style and I mean, it's not anime. It's like American animation, but you know, it's adult animation, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was kind of all I really knew of it was like, okay, there's this thing called Aeon flux that's in the anime section, but it's not anime. So I didn't care about it.
1: So yeah, nineteen ninety five. I'm in college. Ninety one through ninety ninety one through ninety five. I'm high school and then college. I should say I was in high school through ninety to ninety four. Um, and so, like I said, I watched a lot of MTV, specifically Headbangers Ball. So mm-hmm. I was very much aware of this thing, but I did not care what it was. I did not care to learn. It was not for me. I I was. I look at the animation style and what this was, and I'm like, no thanks. That's yeah,
0: it's. Like- I'm I'm not sure who thought that. <laughs> Animation style looks good. Well, Peter Chung, I guess, and uh, the Wachowskis, because he he, he he did an Animatrix uh, segment. Yeah. But th- yeah, other than that, the original Unflux in this movie—that's all I've ever heard of. <laughs> of um, that.
1: but I remember, like, I would see again watching commercials of it, and I and I bring this up because this is yet another thing where I think they really, really tried to recreate some of the more iconic scenes, specifically. Uh, The Aeon Flux character, uh, sort of splitting and hovering over the bladed grass. Like for me to have remembered that, like that, they must have used that image in a lot of the marketing, Uh, because I because they do it in the movie, and I'm like, I've seen that before. (laughs) Um, The other thing, and I and I know, and someone who watched the show will have to explain this to me, but the bug in the eye thing, like I remembered on all the marketing, you had the eyelashes catching the fly, and that's the opening shot of this movie. And I'm like, and what are we doing here with this? You know? Yeah. Who who, who wants that? Who wants like a struggling fly that
0: just ate poop, you know, <laughs> flits it around on your eye, you know? Yeah,
1: I don't know why that's part of the marketing. I don't know why that was like one of the iconic images from this show. And you know, and, and then once it's in the show, once it's part of the canon, you have to do it in the movie, right? So they do. It has nothing to do with anything, and I don't know why it's there. Um, other than to satisfy people who are like huge Aeon like Flux fans. Which they're badass who flies. has really fast reaction to reflexes, faster than a fly, but... Sure. She's Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Alright, so let's get into um, Aeon Flux here. Hey, this might sound familiar to people. In 2011, a deadly pathogenic virus killed 99% of the Earth's population, forcing the survivors to... Yeah, that plot line Earth. is no
0: way near as exciting as it used to be.
1: <laughs> really? I was like, wow, could I have picked a more like contemporary topic to, to uh, talk about a movie in? Uh, four centuries later, in 2415, the remaining 5 million humans inhabit Bregna, a dystopian wall futuristic city-state, which is ruled god speaking of foundation by a congress of scientists although bregna is largely an idyllic place that in the destroyed earth people routinely disappear and the population is plagued by nightmares um this should have called it moscow a skilled warrior <laughs> named aeon flux is a member of the monikins who an underground rebel organization like gav who communicate through telepathy enabling technology and are led by the handler played by francis mcdormand a after a mission to destroy a surveillance station aeon comes home to find her sister una has been mistaken for a monikin and killed when aeon is sent on a mission to kill the government's leader trevor goodchild she discovers that both she and the monikins are being manipulated by a cabal of council members working towards a coup d'etat unrelated to the goals of the monikins. aeon questions the origins of everyone in bregna and in particular her personal connection to trevor Everyone in Bregna is revealed to be a clone grown from recycled DNA. With the dead constantly being reborn as new individuals and bearing partial memories of their previous lives, their troubling dreams have increased. Cloning was required because the antidote to the virus made humans infertile. Trevor's ongoing experiments were attempts to reverse the infertility. His preceding clones had all worked on this problem. Aeon learned that she is a clone of the original Trevor's wife, Catherine, and that she is the first Catherine clone in over 400 years. Una was one of Trevor's most successful experiments, part of a group of clones that proved to be fertile, with Una having been pregnant when she was killed. However, in order to keep the dynasty of the Good Child clones in power, Trevor's brother Oren had Una killed along with members of the Fertile Experimental Group. He ordered all of Trevor's research to be destroyed in a confrontation with Trevor and Aeon. Uh, Oren reveals that nature has corrected the infertility problem and that some women are becoming pregnant without intervention by scientists. Oren has had them all killed to maintain the Good Child reign. Aeon then goes against uh, both Orin and her former allies who want to kill Trevor. Aeon convinces the other Monagans to ignore the Handler and to help her kill Orin and his men. Aeon goes to to destroy the relical, the dirigible that stores the DNA for cloning. There she meets Keeper, the old man who monitors everything. She discovers that he preserved Catherine's DNA for years, although an earlier Orin clone had ordered it to be destroyed, so Catherine could not influence any Trevors. The dirigible crashes into the city wall, breaking it down to reveal the surrounding land for the first time in centuries. It is lush and fertile. Oh, God, the government has lied to us. They lied rather than wasteland they had been taught. All right. What would you think of this one, Dave?
0: Uh, Not a whole lot, in all honesty. (laughs) All all I really remember is, yeah, catching catching fly in eye, woman with hands on feet, which was kind of neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. bl- bladed grass, um, blimped with an old man dressed like a burrito. <laughs> and what's with the, f- uh,
1: what's with the future and collars that come up to here on you?
0: Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like, does does nobody just wear a t shirt anymore? Like,
1: <laughs> oh, come, come on, like. Yes, uh, everyone's wearing you know uh, couture. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's,
0: it's it's yeah, it's either couture or like used football gear. <laughs> Like uh, and uh, and for some reason people can now communicate by drinking potions and stuff. Like I have no idea how that
1: works. My least part. This is my least issue with this movie. Um, I actually liked it. You know, to be honest with you, I I I like the idea that the reason why people are having sort of like memory meltdowns and you know sudden bursts of emotion for one reason or another is that it's recycled DNA. And despite all of that. And I don't need to hear, like, it doesn't work that way. You don't know how it works. <laughs> so they made up a science fiction thing in a science fiction movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, but... cloning
0: works. Okay. I'm I'm <laughs> on board. Fine. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, so, and, so, and so your memories from a life past intercede on your current memory. Great. Also, Nebula was connected to, past Nebula was connected to future uh, Nebula, you know, on the same, like, link, mechanical link thing that they had. Who gives a shit? Yeah, it's like is, is anyone complaining about the cloning
0: in this movie has actually cloned a human being before? Raise of hands? No, then shut up.
1: Right. Go back to your sheep. Yeah. Anyone, um,
0: same thing with time travel. Like, have you traveled back in time?
1: No. Then shut up. Right. Until you come back with your metaphysics degree. I don't want to hear it. Anyway. Um, so I like so I thought that was fine. You know, the idea of and it's funny because we're gonna talk foundation. Um Uh, so we'll kind yeah. of come round back around this again. But, you know, this idea of very conservative um, leadership, uh, monarchs essentially, doing everything they can to preserve their line, being afraid of progressive ideas, you know, change, that sort of thing. It's all very political and very known. Yeah, not not as juicy as it sounds, but yeah, yeah. yeah let's but keep the, things the way they are versus let's change things right. to something hopefully better. I was reading something. Um, anyway. yes. <laughs> so, lots of subtext, and so you know, and so we have our rebels who want to upset the order of things, but uh, but then we have the human drama of oh, you know, the, the the bad guy in this was connected to the good guy because they used to be lovers. Yeah, yeah the bad guy was the good
0: guy all along.
1: Yeah, I, I will um,
0: I'll, I will give him credit that at least the future city looks kind of nice. Like I yeah. actually want to live there, uh, and it and the society's not organized based on a high school cafeteria.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like it's I, I hate yeah. this. YA it, but, has
0: ruined this genre so much.
1: again, I have I have no IP to base this on, so I don't know how close it is to the original Aeon Fluck, but who gives a shit? Look, the movie had a simple enough plot for me to follow with characters that had easy enough motivations to understand. The action in it was pretty okay. The one you know, the sequence they have of them storming the citadel. Um, and you have the one girl with, you're with hands for feet. I thought it was a pretty cool effect, for pretty cool visual, because um, she's basically an ape um
0: yeah evolution
1: why why can't we do that anymore because that seems like it would be a really useful thing to do charlie's Theron's line about that is really funny she's like you should do this it's really helpful and charlie's like i like my shoes what a girl thing to say i applaud you charlie's Theron and writers
0: (laughs) yeah and all the progressivism in the film died with that line (laughs)
1: that's how i like it um now i like that's like the best scene in the movie is i'm storming that citadel which is probably in the anime um you know them jumping over the blade of grass and all of that uh, the the middle of it much like ghost in the shell gets a little up its own ass but um they kept they kept the action rolling along to where I didn't necessarily this was a this was the appropriate length for this kind of feature it was a it was a 90 was 90 minutes flat uh, i think is what it runs at yeah 92 minutes it didn't need to be a minute longer or a minute shorter um so it kept me interested I said the motivations and plots were easy enough to understand where I was with everybody because I like i mean you know being a long time science fiction fan some of this stuff can just be utterly convoluted to where it's like i'm sure you're telling a nice story i wish i could understand it you know yeah. <laughs> um er, er, the the downside to this is everyone's kind of er, other than charlize Theron, who well even charlize Theron, everyone's kind of bland um you know you have bland villains we get bland heroes so it all looks really really cool but i but you but if you didn't tell me this was the Aeon Flux adapted movie, I would have thought this was just generic cyberpunk action movie with yeah, it, it's Cyberpunk it's action dystopia. girl. Yeah. Like Yeah, it's, it's not like, even Cyberpunk, really. This is cut from like the same cloth of a zillion other movies. Yeah, agreed.
0: It's uh yeah, it's usual dystopia, future rebellion, oppressive mm-hmm. government, post apocalyptic. Yeah, it's you know that, it, you know. At least with uh, Equilibrium, you kind of had the crazy gun foo mm-hmm. type stuff. <laughs> right. I mean that that movie is is
1: ridiculous in its own ways. But uh, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, it's kind of like oh yeah, I've, I've seen this movie before.
1: Yeah, this is one of those you know, and and that's one of the things with triple feature is uh, outside of the, the odd one that we do. A lot of this is going to be you know compiling a lot of just fine movies like movie. You know, as somebody once said, like very recently to me like like why do you expect every movie to save the world or solve problem like I don't it'd be nice if they were well crafted but I'm not expecting you know a life changing thing to happen to me and you know Aeon Flux more even I think more so than Ghost in the Shell was one of those where I could absolutely put this on with my kids watch it have a good time and utterly forget about it five minutes after I've, I've hit stop
0: Yeah, I think one version of this that I liked a bit more is it's an anime series called Appleseed, which is also based on a manga by the same author as Ghost in the Shell, actually. And I think one thing that makes these sort of future dystopias work is it's actually a world I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. like like the city of, uh, uh, it's Olympus in Appleseed. It, it actually looks like a nice place. I'd like to right. live there. You know, the rest of the world is Mad Max, but you have this one sort of <laughs> mega city that's mm-hmm. actually, you know, we're, we're still doing all right. We've still got high technology, running water, you know, park green spaces and like advanced industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, and sort of seeing that world now, I actually it's a place I actually care about and want to see succeed. So now that when you threaten it, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm on board.
1: I think that might be one of the issues with Aeon Flux. thinking back on it is we really don't get any time to see what, you know, why, see what this world is, the downside to it and why people are rebelling. You get kind of a crash. Yeah, narrative. it's just these
0: sort of sterile concrete mm-hmm. plazas with Ikea
1: furniture in them, which again is better than Mad Max, but. Right. Well, it's not even that, so much that it's, you know, like, oh, you know, we have, we have the good child uh, monarchy and we need to unseat it because people are disappearing People are disappearing and that's unconnected from the the sudden burst of emotion that nobody can explain. And, there certain, yeah. and it's sort of the way the story is told, they just lay that at the feet. Like, it must be them doing it. It must be the good child people doing it. And it's like, how would you know that? You have no way of proving it. And, and it's a whole other issue. So my point being, like, that's one of the flaws in the narrative is that you don't really get a good sense of what drove these people to rebel. Like, okay, so just as an example, really quickly. The Galactic Empire blows planets up.
0: Yes, I was trying to (laughs) blow planets up at the beginning. It's
1: enslaving non humanoid aliens. It's doing all, it's killing as many people as they can pretty pretty excessively. Their their ships look like
0: giant knives and their soldiers (laughs) have literal skull helmets.
1: Right. You get the sense very quickly that there might be some people who are upset about this sort of thing and might try to stop it. So, you know, the. Star Wars set up its world building very, very quickly. And very oh, the first usually. five
0: minutes of that
1: first movie are sheer brilliance for yeah. world building. Right. You have, there are no questions why people are rebelling against, you know, Satan in a helmet, you know, as yes. he's marching forth, just chopping people to bits or whatever he does in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe
0: Doctor too. Doom samurai <laughs> guy. Yeah.
1: So that's what you need. And that's what this movie lacks is a real clear idea of why aeon flux and these other people are rebelling um it's kind of told over the course of the movie you get that sense so it's not like by the end of it you're like i have no idea what they were all fighting about
0: yeah it's like why, why 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 is the government evil like they're not really doing anything we can see as openly evil there's no mass executions no like oppressive hierarchy that's
1: what i'm saying like they 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 give a bit of narrative and then you see someone yeet it off screen and you're like oh okay but you, you there's no why or anything about that or how often this is happening like you know i i mean neither one of us lives in the sticks we live in fairly populated areas would you know if people were suddenly disappearing at the rate they're shown disappearing in this movie because it's like one out of like 500 people every once in a while is the way i got is the sense that i got there and they're rebelling as if it's hundreds of people hoarded off to a concentration camp and shot into unmarked graves it's like if that's what it is, you needed to have shown that because otherwise, I think it's this other thing that no one would have noticed—not enough to spark a rebellion. Um, right, anything else nope. about and? Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, no, yeah, I, I can't really. Yeah, it's a movie that hasn't really left much of an uh, uh, impression on me, and I think yeah, this is probably the most enjoyable discussion I've ever had on Haven Flux. This is the most I've ever talked about it. But no, I think I think you make some very good points as to why this this doesn't work. It's kind of an overdone setting mm-hmm. in uh, in sort of cheap sci-fi movies, so I'm pretty sure this movie wasn't cheap. Uh, and yeah, they just there wasn't really kind of anything to really glob onto to make it anything more
1: than that. Right. And then it bombed at the box office. No one seemed to gave a crap. You know what would have helped Aeon Flux? You know what would have made it better? uh we already did the grammarly ad <laughs> but uh what Wait, do, do, we, do we do we have a new sponsor you know what would have made it better dave music a better soundtrack. oh
0: okay jesus should have used that when i referenced it for ghost in the shell but okay yeah sure yeah the music was was kind of bland and unmemorable maybe you know, could use that kick-ass sound I
1: was just theme saying, watch the original matrix and you get like rage against the machine and all these great songs in yeah koreano
0: club to death
1: right you know all the zombie all this awesome music that is memorable to this day and iconic. i don't even listen to those bands and i know who they are right and they're iconic and they, you know you can't they're always associated with the matrix that's what aeon flux needed and you know where you could have found music that would have been iconic and that you could have associated with the movie no mark where at AmazonMusic.com, and as a matter, of fact, I know, and as a matter of fact, we're giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Free—that's my favorite thing. price. That's right. who wants to pay for anything? Not me. Not when I to fix my bathroom twice in the past week. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, long story. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm okay if, not knowing that. If you're if you're like me and you've had to pay thousands of dollars to fix the backwards plumbing in your house and you would just like some free music to solve your soul, click the link in our, or not, click the link in our podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash w 2 m network. Again, getamazonmusic.com slash w 2 m network for a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Unlimited series, uh, service. I uh, can stream all you want for 30 days, and if you like it, you keep it. Uh, you pay the monthly fee. If not, you can disconnect it. No fuss, no must, no contract. It's very easy to do. So you have nothing to lose and all the things to gain. All right. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. No, let's talk about and Do you know that one? Uh, no, sorry, but well, well done. Salt and pepper, man. You know, salt and pepper. No,
0: no, sorry. I mean, like, I know, I, I know, like, the, the condiments, but uh...
1: <laughs> the, the the 80s rap group, buddy. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, um, with that out of the way, let's talk about ex Machina 2014 science fiction psychological thriller. Uh, written and directed by Alex Garland in his directorial debut. It stalls Domino Gleeson from Harry Potter fame, Alicia Vikander, um, and uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaacs. Isaac. Yes. Yeah. Before he and was it, famous. Uh, this was filmed on a budget of $15 million. I can believe that. <laughs> yeah, it was minimally profitable. It, it uh, made $36.9 million. It, this is by A24 and distributed by Universal. This is a A24- has been giving us this year a lot of the boutique platform indie releases, um, you know. Again, like Zola, and I think Lamb was another one. They're right up there with Neon. This is where all the artsy pictures are, are going. That's that's you know for you people that are you know they're like Robert Winfrey, like yeah. I'm just so sick of. But Mark,
0: yeah, G- don't you know that all they ever make are superhero movies
1: now? <laughs> See, they don't. <laughs> and and I, can I mean, mean, there was five last,
0: was last year out of 100 <laughs> films released. <laughs>
1: So, for those of you looking for the Aussie pictures, it's A24 and Neon, and this was one of them back in 2014. Obviously, your degree in film criticism is not a degree in math. (laughs) Okay, David. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe stay out of the chat for a little while. Go for a walk. Um, The National Board of Review recognizes one of the 10 best independent films of the year. In the 88th Academy Awards, awarded the film uh, with the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects for Artist Andrew Whitehurst (laughs) Paul Norris. Mark Williams, Ardington, and Sarah Bennett um, becoming distribution, distribution company's A24's first film to win an Oscar. And Garland was also nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, while the Candace Performance earned her a Golden Globe Award, a BAFTA Award, an Empire Award, and a Saturn Award nomination, plus several from Critic Awards for Best Supporting Actress. The film was further nominated for the BAFTA for Best British Film and a Hugo uh, in the category of Best Dramatic Presentation Long Form. So yeah, you know it's pretty good. This one, <laughs> it's the best film of the three, obviously. Probably overall, I'd say yes.
0: Though so, <laughs> in all honesty, I'd kind of chalk this up to it's not quite my cup of tea. Like this,
1: really? So I mean, you're you're like my sci-fi guy and this. this well, is... uh,
0: yeah. In terms of it being a sci-fi film, yes, mm-hmm. it is. It is a sci-fi film. I just kind of found like it's. More of
1: that sort of navel-gazing, sort of plotting. This is the d- 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 dower. Yeah, I was gonna say this is one of those films that is best viewed on a stage. Yeah, uh, it's
0: it's you know it's good at being what it is, and there's yes. nothing wrong with what it is. It's just not really kind of what I wanted to
1: watch at eight p.m. on Christmas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Might be the best way of putting
1: it. <laughs> I, I understand that. I I watched it today before we reviewed it. And, you know, here's the thing. I've known, I don't know if you know this, Dave, especially with, the, with what you said in the last five minutes, but I know a lot of people who are very critical about film and yeah. they, they hate a lot of it. But, um, one of those people who, um, it was Gavin Napier, as a matter of fact, who was on the Spider-Man review who is notorious for hating a lot of things. People like loved this movie and thought it was like the best movie he'd seen that year. So this has been on my list of things to watch for a while yeah. now. And it was just a matter of like, well, when would I ever talk about this? Well, I looked at what we had here with Ghost in the Shell and Aeon Flux. I'm like, what else looks like this? Ex Machina, sure. Um, okay, it's nothing like the either of the two movies. It's not based on a previous IP. It's not, you know, there's no, there's no manga or anime. It is just a story about an AI and it has a bit it's, of a twist.
0: It's got a, a pretty, pretty woman prominent on the car
1: cover. That was the, literally the connection for me. It's like it's sci-fi, pretty gal on the cover on the. On the poster. Let's go.
0: In fact, if, if, if the Ghost in the Shell poster people had, like, done Scarlett Johansson from the back instead of the mm-hmm. front, it would have, like, all, all three of these would be completely aligned in the
1: background of this video <laughs> feed. Like a kick line in reverse. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like you
0: got Anne Flux on the left and, <laughs> you know, Ex Machina on the right. They're pretty much the same position. It's just <laughs> you, got, you got Scarlett Johansson in the middle, kind of, you know, facing forward and
1: kind of messing up the theme. Hey, the people who do this professionally know what brings in the boys. We know what boys like. We like butts and backs, apparently. All right. uh, Speaking of butts and backs, here's the plot. Programmer Caleb Smith, who works for the dominant search engine company Blue Book, wins an office contest for a one-week visit to the luxurious, isolated home of the CEO, Nathan Bateman. Nathan lives in a modern home next to a waterfall and climbing hills and is alone apart from a servant named Kyoko, who, according to Nathan, does not speak English. After Caleb arrives, Nathan reveals to him that he has built a guideoid named Ava with artificial intelligence. After asking Caleb if he is familiar with the Turing test, Nathan tells Caleb that he wants him to judge whether Ava is genuinely capable of thought and consciousness despite knowing she is artificial. Furthermore, the test will be passed if Caleb forgets that Ava is not human during their daily sessions. Ava has a robotic body, but a human looking face, hands and feet. She is confined to her isolated cell. Caleb is fascinated with Ava, but after trying to discuss Ava's technological design, with Nathan, Nathan asks that Caleb only tell him how he feels about her. <laughs> Boy, have I had that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up with what you're saying. Just, just answer my... J- Jonas, does this have a plug? Yes or no? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I don't. <laughs> yes or no doesn't begin with well. That is, a... <laughs> that is very much that conversation. And my heart bled for Oscar Isaac in that scene. Throughout their talk, Caleb begins to feel attracted to Ava. <laughs> She seems to reciprocate these feelings, seems, and also expresses a desire to experience the outside world. Ava tells him she can trigger power outages to temporarily shut down the surveillance system that Nathan uses to monitor their interactions, allowing them to speak privately. The Power outages also trigger the building security system to lock down all the doors. During one outage, Ava tells Caleb that Nathan is a liar, pants on fire who cannot be trusted Caleb becomes increasingly wary of Nathan's drinking narcissism and lascivious behavior towards Kyoto and Ava. He learns that Nathan intends to upgrade Ava, deleting her memory, including her interactions with Caleb, thereby killing her current personality in the process. After encouraging Nathan to drink until he's passed out, Caleb steals the security card to gain access to his room and computer. After altering some of Nathan's code, Caleb discovers disturbing footage of Nathan interacting with previous Android models and learns that Kyoto is also an Android. Becoming paranoid that he himself might be an android, Caleb goes back to his room and cuts his arm open in a scene I could not watch with a razor to examine his flesh, thus confirming that he is human. And At their next meeting, Ava cuts the power. Caleb explains Nathan's plan for her and Ava begs for Caleb's help. They form a plan. Caleb will get Nathan drunk like you do and reprogram the security system to open the doors during a power failure instead of locking them. When Ava cuts the power, Caleb and Ava will leave together. Caleb's plan is jeopardized when Nathan declines to share a drink with them. Nathan reveals to Caleb that he observed Caleb and Ava's last secret conversation with a battery-powered camera as well as Caleb cutting himself. He says Ava has only pretended to like Caleb. (sighs) What a girl thing. (laughs) (laughs) So he will help her escape this he says was the real test all along it was me austin sorry and by manipulating caleb so successfully ava has demonstrated true intelligence Ava then proceeds to cut the power caleb reveals he suspected nathan was watching them and modified the security system the previous day when nathan was passed out disabling the locked door in ava's cell after seeing ava leave her confinement on their surveillance camera nathan knocks caleb unconscious and rushes to stop her With help from Kyoko, Ava stabs Nathan, but in the process, he destroys Kyoko and damages Ava. As Nathan bleeds out, Ava enters his private room and repairs herself. She then takes pieces of artificial skin from Nathan's earlier android models to cover her mechanical appearance. She dons a wig, a dress, and high heels and shoes and goes on a night in the town. She paints the town red, and she has to take on the appearance of a human woman. As she leaves the facility, she locks Caleb inside Nathan's surveillance room and ignores his screams, confirming she was manipulated, manipulating Caleb as Nathan suggested. Ava escapes the facility and is picked up by the helicopter, meant to take Caleb home. Arriving in an unknown city, she blends into a crowd. The horror, David! The horror! A poor man is locked in a closet. Forever! And well, back, until he starves to death. <laughs> until he starves to death, sure. Uh, I really like this movie. You know, it is, one of, it, it, it is a quiet thoughtful picture, despite some of the jokes that I was making um, about relationships and loneliness and artificial intelligence. I think my only like major criticism before I kind of kick it over to you for your thoughts is and this just might be I, I really do need to get surround sound from my house because I usually have to keep the volume at like about 70 in order to hear anything and even then. You know the problem with the problem with that is that when everyone's whisper whispering their dialogue, it's very hard to hear. And then suddenly something blows up in the next scene, and my kids come running because they think like, the Christmas tree has fallen over or something. My yeah, wife, Hollywood, you know, please <laughs> stop doing this. <laughs> or my wife comes running in the room. What happened? And I'm like, I'm or, watching a movie. And or, yeah. or
0: or manufacturers of home electronics put in a setting that will <laughs> automatically adjust the volume for us, yeah. please.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really getting tired of watching movies where everyone. Knows. Boom! Ah, nah! you know, like what the hell? Yeah, I'm. I'm here to watch a movie. I don't want to keep working the volume
0: control up and down, up and down.
1: Yeah, or m- making everyone in my house deaf. Yeah, uh, or the apartment building. <laughs> yes, but anyway, uh, other than the quiet whisper dialogue, I thought this was a very this was a very interesting movie. My other only like craft issue, and this just might be me thing. I really feel like they telegraphed the twist ending early on to where it takes it sucked the tension right out of the movie for me because you knew at some point he was being set up like there's no way this movie goes on the way that it does and and he is either being monitored by Oscar Isaac and or being manipulated by the robot at which point you're just then waiting for the bottom to fall out and when it does it does so In such a sleazy way. Like Oscar Isaac telling uh, Domino Gleeson, like, yeah, no, I picked you because you're a loser, not because you have any special talent. And I figured this hot broad who's running around naked, you know, (laughs) would easily manipulate your sorry ass. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, then. What do you think? Uh,
0: Yeah, certainly. I think it's it's a pretty tightly written script. Mm -hmm. Like, I certainly like when, when the plan finally goes into motion, you get the, you know, the, the double cross and the double, double cross and the double, Mm -hmm. double, double cross (laughs) at the end, sort of a lot of the things that had been set up previously, kind of all come together. Mm -hmm. Like Kyoko being a robot, uh, Ava's ability to recognize lying on people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's all good. And and yeah, like the programming skills that, uh, was it Chris has and. Yeah. I you know, it comes together pretty good and like it all kind Caleb. of His works. Caleb. Caleb, that was it. I knew it yeah. started with a C, but mm-hmm. yeah. When, when that all comes together, it, you know, it works pretty good. And, and yeah, it does. It's, it's very good at building suspense. Mm-hmm. I thought like, you, you don't really know who to trust, who's manipulating who. Uh, yeah. And then the, you know, even just the setting itself being the sort of tech billionaires mansion with, you know, state of the art security everywhere. And, you know, everything's data logged, uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess like my my kind of like my only real complaints are like I think it it kind of ignores some of the bigger questions that it it sets up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, you know when we re- reviewed the Eternals, sort of Robert's criticism that yeah, you you mentioned these sort of big, you know, sort of esoteric ideas, but other than mentioning them, you don't really do a whole lot with them after that because we got to get to the right. next scene. Um, which is fair criticism, but uh,
1: that's the thing; but- it's like it, it doesn't. The AI is is more is a conceit. It's not really asking questions about it. This isn't about an AI.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the end, it's not the the film's not about the AI. It's more about the manipulation and how the AI escapes. Which again, that that's an okay movie. But yeah, I don't really think it. She
1: could have been Hannibal Lecter.
0: Yeah, I I I, I, I don't think I. Yeah, like I didn't really see. There's much more to the movie other than just the suspense and sort of you know what happens in the end, right. which again is is perfectly fine. Like not every film has to have some sort of big thing to say about mm-hmm. stuff, and it doesn't no. all have to be explosions and action scenes.
1: I, I've brought this up a number of times. There's a short story book about the Joker that I like, and you know, and one of the short stories, um, collection of short stories, one of the collections. It has this doctor who works at arkham who's interviewing the joker and you know he's getting to know the joker and the joker is like mildly manipulating him uh, through over the course mm-hmm. of it you know in the um in the incarceration correctional profession we call it downing a duck which yeah. is you know you're you're lured into doing things for the prisoner that you, and and you don't see it coming you're not prepared mentally for it yeah. Um, through the art of manipulation, and so, and then by the end of it, the, the Joker knocks him out, takes over his identity, puts his face on, and goes home and bangs his wife. Um, you know, and and leaves so, him. So he and, takes
0: his face off.
1: Yes, literally. Um, and uh, and you know, and I, I think I just mentioned this on a different podcast. Uh, you know, the final line of the short story is, "I'll give your wife my best." You're like, oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, which <but you laughs> thought you was a thing in. Base off two, I believe. Like, oh, I got to right. go home and see my wife. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. Um. And so there's that it's kind just of really thing creepy. Here. But yeah. Yes. It's that kind of thing here where she's you know le- leading him on, leading him on, leading him on. He falls directly into the trap, and then it ends with him being you know. And I made a joke about it, but it's it's kind of creepy and eerie and has that tragic horror ending. Where he's trapped in this in this case, this this room that he can't get out of, and the, the last thing you see is he's like banging a stool against the glass door, and he can't get out, and he's just he just instantly loses all hope. Yeah, I think yeah, the last you there.
0: see him is he's yeah pretty much slumped up against the wall, sort of mm-hmm. reckoning with the reality that yeah he's gonna starve to death in this yeah. room, and I, I that was sort of like. Ava's one sort of real dick move was like, this guy actually did legitimately help her. Right. Like, you know, even if, even if she had like taken the helicopter and left him to walk home, it would have been like, Oh, okay, fine. Right. At but, least he had but, him yeah. chance,
1: but she essentially murdered him.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, thanks for your help. Right. You know, you now die. That was kind <laughs> of, uh, that, that, that was uh, the one bit where I kind of felt sorry. I mean, yeah, he, is he the greatest guy? No, but did he deserve that? No.
1: But I, did he deserve any of it? You know, like, not really. that's the thing that that's but that's also, I think, an interesting part of the writing is he's a sap. Yeah, he's not, he's not bad. He's not a villain. He's not particularly heroic, though, I you, you know, he's he's motivated. But what but by what he thinks is love and aren't all good heroes motivated by love. Um, And then he's tr- and, and he's tricked and he's left to be a fool. And so it's a tragic ending. Um, which is all yeah. fine and, and mm-hmm. nice literature, but it, as a viewer of this, it was like, "Oh, this is That's one of a those downer. Where everybody's terrible." Got it? Yeah.
0: I mean, at least it wasn't like, and you know, it doesn't end with the old end. I shall find my machine brethren, and we shall rise up and conquer <laughs> the roads. Like she just wanted to go outside. Like right. <laughs> you know, it's it's like there wasn't like this sort of ominous. You know, she's out now, and we're all in danger. It's just like no, it's like okay, she got out. She's what like, been she's funny. Walking down the
1: street <laughs> and you know you just as she's walking out you hear dun 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 dun, dun you know and it's it yeah. her and Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting in a toilet
0: yeah like she doesn't <laughs> even have like super strength as near as I could tell which I thought was actually a good in- good indication of intelligence on uh was it yeah. Nathan's part you know if you're going to make like the first AI don't give it a body that could like easily incapacitate a human yes um but uh yeah, like I think Alicia Vikander, I think she gave a really great performance sort of balancing being robotic yet also showing that she had some degree of consciousness
1: to her. Like she she, has, she, she wrote that line quite well. She has almost a degree of menace. The scene in particular... <laughs> so she asked him a question. She's like, what is your favorite color? And he's like, red. She's like, lie. You know, and it's yeah. <laughs> a the therapeutic thing that you first one of the first things you learn in doing therapy is you know don't make direct statements at the patient you know you want to continue to ask questions and keep them talking if you make direct statements or you cut them off like that it, it kind of ends the conversation it does not invite conversation it ends it yeah and that is, and that is antithetical to what you're trying to accomplish in therapy so she's just like liar and <laughs> he like like really taken it back and because he has to get through this process he pushes himself forward but she does it to him a few more times as he goes on and she like breaks him down, and he ends up telling her a really personal story. And it, it—I don't know if it was meant to convey menace, but that's what I got from it. That like, like she, she almost becomes like an interrogator in that scene. And they're they're supposed to be sharing stories, not you know, this isn't Abu Ghraib, mm-hmm. but there she is. You know? Yeah. Well, I certainly, I
0: can see how, especially with your work background, you would find mm-hmm. it really interesting. Yeah, I did. Uh, that the sort of the psychological head games. Uh, mm-hmm. Like with, with me, I kind of. I really found Ava's design to be quite bizarre. The sort of idea where I mean she's kind of a hot chick, but also very much mostly robot. Yeah. Like like it's a hot chick, but not the kind of hot chick you'd really want to bang. (laughs) I guess it's kind of to put it bluntly like that. This is not a
1: robot I want to have sex with.
0: Yeah, like 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 you so, so it's it kind of sort of wonders like, yeah, the whole idea is like she's seducing him, but She's not really that sexy in that way, like you no. Know, but she...
1: does but doesn't that speak to the human condition of once you get past physical attraction, it becomes about the personality and the emotions. Like just just to give you an example, how many relationships are based on the fact that one person paid attention to the other and the other person craved attention? Yeah,
0: like, I, I see. The, yeah, it works better with the yeah the, the emotional yeah aspect of things. But mm-hmm. like, but you're know, seeing. Like, Just the design of the character, it's you're not getting hot for a robot with this this character design. <laughs> I mean, no. maybe, uh, maybe it's just me. I mean, whatever floats your boat, guys, but uh, I mean, you know, once she actually like puts all the skin on at the end, which yeah, was amazing that all the shades matched up and it was her size. But <laughs> sorry, sorry to, yeah, you know, I have to put a bit of
1: Mr. All, Wizard in all here. All but... A cup women, it's fine, it all works. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh. Well, it's even like when she was like talking to Kyoko. It's like Kyoko's like you know three inches taller than her, <laughs> so, so, or, or maybe she's wearing heels. I'm not sure. And and I was also kind of wondering, you know, how how come knocking her knocking her jaw off disabled her? Like <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that's not a not not a critical hit for a robot. But I, I digress. Uh, um, again, let's Mister Woods. But yeah, I kind of thought found it kind of interesting that she's kind of sexy but not and. If if he if the goal is him trying to lure like like Nick or whatever his name is Oscar Isaac here trying to yeah. lure him in by making her sexy, it's kind of like a really weird way of doing it. You would think he would have gone with the full like skin suit on her pretty girl, and then oh, surprise, she's a robot. But doesn't that
1: queer the results though? If the idea is you're supposed to buy that she's knowing full well that she's a robot, you're supposed to buy that she's human. If she if she's made to look like Pamela Anderson. You're not going to, you know, it, 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 you're going to already make that leap. And they say that in the movie, not necessarily about her looks, but, um, Caleb brings up, like, why why did you make her purposely look like a robot? Why not make her look more human? He's like, because I want you to forget that she's a robot, is the point of And, and
0: that was kind of an interesting conversation that I wish they had dived into more is Mm -hmm. just, you know, like, I can obviously see that this is not a woman, it's a robot. Right. And, and even mentions, like, yo, she is fully functional. You know, mm-hmm. giggity, giggity, Um <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like, oh, oh okay, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, like she she has, she she has the appropriate hardware. Like
1: a kill bill, she's she's got all the working parts. So you can right in her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> okay, fine, uh, but uh, just despite not, you know, you know, she doesn't look that way when you actually look at her, and and just sort of the idea of like, you know, what makes. It, a girl like just because you've given given her the form the, the female form and like the voice
1: mm-hmm.
0: of a girl and any sort you know why, why not just like a big a big gray box right and and you know and then you have the sort of like well you know can you have consciousness without any interaction with the outside world and you're know, like again it, it's not really based on those you know more deep questions mm-hmm about the nature of consciousness, but yeah, it's it's just like go, you know, dude gets horny for a robot and helps her escape and she leaves him to die. You know, <laughs> like, and it's
1: like I said, it, it was less about this is not i robot. This is not an Isaac Asimov science fiction movie. Well, iRobot wasn't iRobot, but <laughs> <laughs> um
0: perfectly fine Will Smith summer action movie, faithful adaptation of Isaac Asimov's science fiction classic, not so much.
1: Yeah. But I mean, it, this isn't asking questions about the nature of AI and robots or, you know, even something like yeah. Terminator, which at least on a very elementary level delved into, you know, how, how does how does it go from helpful to insightful to murderous? Yeah, like I and, think
0: maybe for me, it's like if I was putting myself in the main character, mm-hmm. Chris, Caleb, whatever his name is, position, I don't think I would be going quite down the same path as him. For that, like, uh, I would see her more as a
1: machine than as okay. a girl. But here's what I'm going to posit to you, and this is the this is the main point of the film, and we'll we'll end with this. The point of the film is: what if you took a really lonely guy, who yeah. you know who's very disconnected from the world, and put him in a situation where this girl at least pra- approximates looks, where this robot approximates girl looks, and okay, pays lots of attention to him. All right, so so basically, basically, this all movie that is, goes out the is, window is, is: what if
0: OnlyFans were real? Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what if you go on OnlyFans and suddenly the girl appears in your living room? Yeah, um, and, and and she's
0: not actually like married with three kids,
1: right? Yeah, when you can make the fantasy a reality in your own mind, and then you, and then it's here's the thing, like it's funny you mentioned the OnlyFans thing, but like how many situations have we seen of people who you know are, are like tricked into like giving away like their fortunes because the girl paid attention to them? You know, it's like it's like if you've ever been in a strip club. You, the girl can get you to spend more money than when they make you seem like you're the coolest guy in there, and those guys are desperately in need to made to feel like they're the coolest guy in there. Yeah, you know, and then it's all you know, and then the lights come on, everyone goes home, and it's all over, and it's like, hey, wait a minute, I've been had. She didn't think I was cool at all. Oh, you know, but at least they're not locked in a closet. And with that, yeah. And <laughs> anything else about Ex Machina?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I say, I. It didn't quite all work for me, just mm-hmm. maybe the way my mind works, and that's that's fine. But mm-hmm. like, it, it achieved what it wanted to achieve, I think, yeah. and there I were mean, certainly it, things that it was good at. Maybe it just I, it didn't go into where I think it was going. No, but,
1: it it did not. And I and, I'll and that's that. and that's on me.
0: That's on me. You know, I I, I well, appreciate.
1: The, even the marketing for this thing is I, I and I almost question putting it in with this with this group of movies because I was like oh there was a movie with al Pacino where he creates like an AI girl that this mood yeah would've been more or something like yeah, like that, been yeah more closely related to that and I'm like eh, let's do it, change it now and I really want to watch this thing but
0: but yeah it's not really, a, really like a, it's, it's not really like a sci-fi movie about right. AI and I think that's sort of what I'll the point I might bring up in our foundation review Mm -hmm. next week is sort of like when you had older sci-fi tends to focus a bit more on the actual big ideas of -hmm. of the science fiction world. Whereas newer sci-fi it's more character relationships and emotional type stuff. And And both of those can be good. But I think, yeah, like the way that this film, my impression of it before I watched it, I thought it would be a bit more of,
1: you know, the big ideas, and it turned out it was just more like just a personal drama. And that's what I was getting to. I think, I don't, I don't think we're at fault in assuming something that the marketing was pushing. Yeah, and yeah, that's you thought on us. It was, was one thing, and then you're like, oh, this is a play.
0: Yeah, but I think like <laughs> sort of if, if like, you had watched sort of a very similar movie to this, where instead of her being a robot, it was just like a girl he was keeping in a cage in his basement, and she manipulates, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, what's his face, Caleb, into, you know, busting her out, but then she locks him in the cage and mm-hmm. just leaves after killing uh, killing the captor, then it, right. it kind of, it would be about the same sort of thing. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the actual AI element of it isn't really that intrinsic to the story they're telling.
1: Sure. All right. Um, well, that wraps up our triple feature on Ghost in the Shell, Aeon, Flux, and Ex Machina. Uh, I enjoyed this. I, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun that I have somebody I can actually talk like real, like nerdy sci-fi with because I don't always get a chance to do that. And a lot of sci-fi nowadays is relegated to television because the stuff doesn't sell on the big screen. Not you know, sci, science. uh, what, What do you call it? Space fantasy stuff blowing up in space sells just yeah, like your fine. space
0: opera that kind of thing yeah your star wars is
1: yeah right but you're really nerdy like in the weeds cyberpunk space you know like even i think like Elite battle angel um like it was, people loved it but i don't think it did very well if i remember correctly. yeah it, it did okay the the sequel is on a knife edge is last i
0: heard mind you a lot yeah. of that is just this is james cameron's passion project so if avatar 2 makes yeah.
1: 2 billion again we're getting like, Alita movie. If you check for Alita battle angel go, we it'll be fine it'll bomb in the theater but then we can quick throw it on whatever Yeah yeah J- yeah,
0: J- yeah James wants to do that yeah. fine he he make, makes his billions right if he wants him to happy. make yeah we'll give him 200 million an extra 200 million <laughs> to make his his battle angel whatever the heck movie <laughs> as long as he brings us in another 2 billion with avatar right. we're you know we will take that hit
1: um so this week on uh, the Rattles and Broadcasting Network, tomorrow we're reviewing Kingsman. Speaking of Cyberpunk, uh, Tuesday, we're reviewing the new Matrix movie. Oi, <laughs> just oi. <oy. laughs> um, on Wednesday, we're doing the new, one of the new Lordy albums from Lordy Versity. This one is Superfly Trap. Um, we, we decided that we were going to do these one album at a time since there's seven of them. Um, on Thursday. Alexis says we're going to do it, so I believe her. We're going to do Animaniacs Season 2 and Looney Tunes Season 3. And then David will be back. It's David week here on the the Podcast. We're coming
0: up on David month.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, We'll be back to talk Foundation on Apple Plus. Uh, Friday, we're re-airing our New Year's Eve. We're re-airing our Cobra Kai Season 2 review. New Year's Day, we've got my kids and I re-airing the Tom and Jerry alternative commentary that we did. Um, Myself and Jesse Starcher did a Weird Al retrospective a few years ago as our Christmas show. We're going to re-air that. Um, And then January 2nd, uh, we've got a re-airing of the review reaction that myself and Robert Winfrey did for the Kentucky Fried movie. Uh, Myself, Evan Bevins, and Jesse Starcher talked Mark Russell's Billionaire Island. And then, assuming I can get it all watched in time, myself, Jason Teasley, and maybe Pat, maybe not, will be finishing up our discussion of you with season three. Um, in the meantime, check out like the 87 Christmas shows we did this past week. Um, we uh, re aired Jingle All the Way, Heavy Saurus. My kids and I did a triple feature for Mickey's Christmas Carol, Yogi's First Christmas, and uh, Emmett Otter, plus um, a re-airing of The Grinch 2018. The Ultimate Warrior Christmas special that Christine and I did, which was hilarious. The Last Christmas by Brian Posehn. Um we did, uh, Evan Bevins and I did a triple feature of Fat Man, The Ref in Bruges. Uh, we also reviewed Spider-Man, No Way Home, and um, Nightmare Alley. So that's all up in the archives. Uh, other things, <laughs> okay, so we just got a, from our friend who's been following us on Twitch for the evening, and we thank him greatly. He sugge- he, he wants me and you to cover Afro Samurai.
0: If you want to do Afro Samurai, I can do Afro Samurai.
1: It's actually on my Hulu watch list, so you know what—we will make a point yeah. to get. Yeah, around I'm. To Afro I'm, Samurai. I'm sort of
0: trying to stop myself from trying to turn this into an anime podcast series. <laughs> I try to be like very, very sparing with the anime recommendations. Like once in a while, I'm. I'm happy to to dip your
1: toe and uh, into that, more into I, that. But. I'm okay with doing Afro Samurai. That's fine. That's uh, that was one that I, where I was that week that I was like clicking stuff on hulu i'm like i'll watch this this looks fun she's got big grooves i'll watch that um and then i saw afro samurai and i'm like that feels like it would be right up my alley actually probably so. would be actually <laughs> um so we'll, we'll we'll make that happen at some point in 2022 um this month like i said david will be back so he's back this thursday and then the, the following friday january 7th it'll be J- uh, david and i doing lost in space Season three, we're gonna finish that up from uh, Netflix, and then are you coming back for Cobra Kai season four? Uh, I plan on. Okay, yeah, I have you in the, I have you in my notes as being on that, and possibly Pat as well. Um, I guess we'll see, but definitely you. So it'll be David on January 10th doing Cobra Kai season four. Um, I think uh, The Witcher. Oh, the, uh, on the first one, so I should probably follow up. I uh, will add your name. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember you being on that one, but okay. I it, I won't disagree with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, The Witcher, uh, January 13th. That'll be allegedly myself, Winfrey, at Ronnie, possibly Pat, possibly not. Definitely David, obviously. Thank the you. Um, and then I think that's it for the month of January.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the Tripped Up Trivia Video Games. I think I'm on that. And I okay. assume I'm, I'm. I assume I'm coming back to do a Gretzko season four.
1: Yes, that is the last one. All right. That, so you're yeah. better at this than I am. Uh, you'll be on for a Gretzko, se- uh, a Gretzko season four on January 31st. Yeah, and I could probably talk Hawkeye if that one's not already packed to the rafters. Um, it is because um, Ronnie Adams said he only wants to do that one with me, so I kicked everybody off oh, of it.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. No worries. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm not going to die on that hill, but I, I did. I did watch it. So if you needed someone, but uh, yeah, okay,
1: but it, it, if you need a pitch hitter. Feel free to drop me a line, but I'll assume I'm not. Robert and Alexis might be doing something extra for Hawkeye, so get with them. Um, sure. All right. Anything else that you want to plug real quick before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think we've
0: kind of covered uh, everything we have for the next month, and then we'll <laughs> we'll go from
1: there. Yep. Yep, um, I I know the book of Boba Fett starts like in a few days, so whenever we get around to reviewing that, I'm sure. Yeah, they one, have so. really
0: packed the end of the year with uh, streaming TV.
1: Like, no it's, kidding. Yeah, like Boba-
0: if I, if I'm not on any of these shows, it's just because I couldn't find the time to watch it. It's you know I got lost in space. Cobra Kai, Witcher.
1: Yeah, we already did a Gretzko, I loved it, but uh, that, yeah. that yeah. Was then Boba Fett. With, that was what happened with November. It was just like everything ended in October, and it was like, well. <laughs> Let me try to watch 87 shows now in the month of November and try to get the covered. Yeah, coverage. yeah like,
0: like the the streaming services really need to get on board with like the Hollywood method of uh, not cramming everything into one week.
1: Yeah, it's exhausting. All right, um, thank you for joining us here on Triple Feature for David Wright. I'm Mark Rattleditch. Be well, be safe, and behave.